as we kick off, I don't know if any of you look at the films on BBC iPlayer. I do. And uh, uh, this year, I don't know if anyone saw 1917. 1917, anyone had a look at it? So it's there on BBC iPlayer this year. And it's set in the trenches of World War I. So welcome if you're German. Lovely to have the Germans here. But it's set in the, in the, in the uh, trenches of World War I. And it's a true story of two soldiers. And they have to cross no man's land to deliver a message. And if they fail, an entire battalion of 1,600 men will be ordered over the top into a deadly trap. And one of the soldiers, his brother, is in that battalion. So that's an extra motivation. Now, what struck me watching the film a couple of days ago was that it did not matter who they encountered on their journey across no man's land. Whether it was privates, platoon commanders, captains, majors, or colonels, they have such confidence and are utterly undeterred as they bark out, I have orders from General Erin Moore to call off the attack. At one point, a major snarls with contempt, who the hell are you? But it doesn't matter who they are. What matters is who sent them, General Erin Moore, and what he commands, call off the attack. And uh, as we um, uh, uh, come to the Great Commission here, Matthew uh, chapter 28, these last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven, where he now prays for us. What is Jesus doing now? He's at the right hand praying for you as this new year begins, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. What was his final message to his disciples? What is the message that must get through and who sends the message? And my prayer is that however small we feel, and those two corporals would have felt very small as they they were going across the lines through all these people of senior rank, but my prayer is this will give you great confidence Who is Jesus? What does he demand in 2023? And first of all, we have the king's victory. The king's victory. Now, you cannot have authority in human affairs without having won for yourself a power base. You must have a power base. Napoleon could not declare himself emperor of Europe um, uh, until he dealt with Wellington at Waterloo. He failed to deal with Wellington, and so he lost his power base and no longer had the authority to be emperor. And the reason that All Souls Church is there is that All Souls Church was built uh, nearly 200 years ago now as a celebration of victory at Waterloo over the French. So again, if you're French, welcome this evening. Lovely to have you here if you're French. But he failed to deal with, with, with Wellington, so he lost his power base. Now, the question is, as we come uh, this evening, brothers and sisters, what is the power base um, uh, 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 of Jesus? Uh, from where does his authority spring? Let's have a look back. Matthew 28, verse 2, as we look into the air ahead. There are lots of people competing for power in this world. What is Jesus's? Do you see verse 2? There was a violent earthquake from an angel of the Lord, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. You put Jesus in the grave and no power can seal it. And so we have verse 28. As we look down, have a look at verse 28. He is not here. He has risen. So Jesus' enemies did the very worst that they could, which was to kill him and put him in the grave. That you would have thought would deal with your enemy. But you can't do any worse than that. But it was not sufficient because he's risen. He's conquered the last great enemy, death. He has sprung from the grave, and as a result, he has a remarkable power base, which is unique in the universe. So if someone says, what are you doing at a New Year's Eve service in the middle of the night? The answer is, I'm here for Jesus, and the justification is he's risen from the dead. Don't say that straight to them. They'll probably think you're, 
you know, a bit, a bit mad. But actually, it is what we believe. He rose from the dead. That's his power place. Furthermore, uh, he can never die again. His authority can never be taken from him. He really is the victorious king. So Vladimir Putin will die and his power base will go with him. President Xi will die and his power base will disintegrate with him. But Jesus has risen from the dead. I visited my parents' grave over uh, the uh, Christmas holiday. Uh, it's an amazing thing to stand there and think, because of Jesus, I'll see you again. And that is the hope that we have for those of you who have missed loved ones greatly over Christmas. If they're in Christ, you'll see them again. Uh, many of you uh, will know the story of Jim Elliot, who in 1956 uh, attempted to take this message of the risen Christ to, Christ to the Alka Indians in Ecuador. Jim Elliot and four other men flew a plane into the remote jungle of eastern Ecuador. There it is. And on the day they were landed, many of you will know this story, they were speared to death by the Alkas. Now, you would have thought that Jim's widow, Elizabeth, would never go near the Alka Indians again, but she understood the words of Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. So in forgiveness, she went to them, no doubt spurred on by the example of Jesus, her Lord. And many of the Alkas became believers in Jesus, so that years later, some anthropologists made an everyman documentary about Christian missionary work among the Alkas, and it was not positive. It basically said the Alka culture had badly deteriorated, and they were happier before the missionaries arrived. And so one asked uh, Elizabeth Elliot rather pointedly, I mean, she'd lost her husband. You think of the cheek of this, but asked her, why do you take the Christian message to them? They were happier before they came. And do you know what she graciously replied, that old lady? She said this, and there it was on the Everyman program. She said, well, they may have led happy lives, but I can tell you they, tell you, they did not die happy deaths. If you'd ever heard the Alka death wail, you would never ask a question like that. Jesus has authority over the grave. He is victor over the grave, and that... The king's victory is his power base. Secondly, as we go on here, we have the king's authority. Let's have a look in verse 18. And now hold on to your seats because this gets countercultural as we're here this evening. Verse 18. Then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he, the Father gives him all authority, and by his resurrection, enthrones Jesus. So Jesus is enthroned. He is the supreme authority, even above the authorities which exist in natural life. So the authorities in your job, the authorities in the country, the authorities in the church, whatever they may be, Jesus is the supreme authority. His word has overarching authority over all Therefore, he has the authority over and above everybody else in your life to send you exactly where he wants. And the proper response to Jesus is then, here's the response to Jesus. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. And I'll do what you want me to do. That is the response to Jesus because he has all authority. He is the author. He has made us. And we have no option. And if we don't say these words in our hearts then we are not Christians in the New Testament sense. He has authority, and becoming a Christian recognizes that authority to do anything he wants on earth and therefore doing anything he wants with you and me. 
Secondly, please see here, he has all authority. Do we have a look down here? Have a look down. Do you see? Go to in, uh, uh, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is why the early Christians were killed. Because they said this is a public truth. For all nations must submit to Jesus. If they'd kept their faith private, they wouldn't have been murdered in the arena. No, he says, go to all nations. And he could not say go to all nations if he didn't have authority. So modern culture said we must divide the world up religiously into a kind of cake to allow people to live under religions or gods which they've traditionally had as their own. But Jesus will have none of it. Jesus says all authority is given to him over all the world and therefore his disciples must go to all nations. So here Jesus is presenting himself not as being head of the Jewish religion or a Western religion or an Eastern religion. No, the religion of Jesus does not come from East or West. It comes from God. And so he claims authority over all the areas of the earth and over all the religions of men. And I don't need to tell you how appalling this sounds to the modern mind, but there is no mistaking it at the start of 2023. He has authority over everyone. He has authority over all nations. He therefore has the right to claim them for himself, and he will not allow them the right to offer worship to anyone else. And when the sociologists cry out, why should you wretched Christians go into other parts of the world and disturb societies and peoples? What an extraordinary arrogance to do that. Our answer is, well, it would be if we're not for verse 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So the king's victory over death leads to the king's authority. And Jesus stands on this mountaintop and he looks over all the nations and he says, they belong to me, go and take them for me. And of course, as we think of verse 18, we have to repent of our picture of being Jesus being far too small, of, of, of our faith being a little segment of our life when all of life, belongs to him because he gives us each breath. Thirdly, as we look, can we see we have thirdly the king's seal, verse 19. Do we see as we look down the king's seal? Very striking this. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful, this verse. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So, As I'm baptized, and there is a call for baptism here, I'm baptized into the Trinity. This relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that since before the beginning of time, they have loved each other. Do you know, sometimes people get asked this question on Hope Explored. The question might come up, why did God make us? And sometimes I've heard a leader sometimes say, well, God made us because he was lonely. He's never been lonely. At the heart of the Trinity... It's Father, Son, and Spirit rejoicing in each other, loving one another. It's not boring to be with people who love you. No, they give each other glory. But they say, through the death of Jesus, we invite you into that for eternity. So as I go to my parents' grave, I think, Mum, Dad, now, this Christmas, you're with Jesus, and he's rejoicing in the Trinity, and you're there with him for eternity. So I just wait and hope before I get there. But it's amazing, baptism here, baptism into the Trinity. You see, in baptism, we are incorporated into the Trinity. It's an amazing thing. As I become a Christian, as I'm baptized, that's the relationship I'm in. I don't know if you have been baptized. 
Can I say, if you haven't, you need to be. It's the king's seal. Perhaps see me afterwards. We, we run baptisms here. We'd love to baptize you. Or can I just say absolutely critically, this is baptism into a local church. So the Trinity, yes, that's universal. But I'm baptized locally. And post-COVID, we found that some people haven't got back to their local church. Brother, sister, it's the time to do that. We're baptized locally. We're in a local church. We're soldiers there in that local church. So if you haven't been baptized or you're not back at your local church, this is the call to do that, to head back and to make sure that that is part of your life. Do you know, it's amazing how powerful baptism is and what an important thing it is. Let me tell you about a friend of mine called Michael. And uh, he came from a strong Pakistani family. He was sent to a mission school to get a good education in Lahore, but did, uh, but not to listen to the Bible classes. His family had great authority, but Christ had a greater authority. And one night he went to bed with a verse from the school assembly in his mind. And without really any uh, anything conscious happening, he woke up the next morning and realized he was Christian. He'd been converted through the night, having heard that verse. Uh, and the whole world seemed different. And God had laid his hand on him, and his parents could just about manage this news until he came to this country for further education, got baptized, and then they cut him off completely. You see, baptism is a seal or a sign that marks a man or woman off. It's like my wedding ring. It's, the, it's an outer sign of an inner reality of where my heart is with my wife. And can I just say to you, therefore, if you're not baptized or in your local church, this is the call from Jesus to do that. Well, what, what's next? What's the next thing that, 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 that we have here? Can we see next? Of course, it's the king's command. Verse 20. Can we have a look down? The king's command. Let's see it together. Therefore, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And here's the command. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. It's interesting. The word kaka in the Hebrew is here. So uh, all authority kaka, go to all nations kaka, teaching them everything. The same word comes again and again. And the commandment to his local and universal church is striking, teaching them to obey everything. Now, it's significant that the ministry of these 11 disciples is to be a teaching ministry, brothers and sisters. It's not a priestly ministry. It's not a sacramental ministry, though they do baptize. It is primarily a matter of preaching and teaching. And that has to happen from the front in a small group, one-to-one, and at home. So are we a learner in that environment? Am I hearing the Bible regularly from the front, 2023, in a small group to learn, one-to-one chatting with people, and then at home reading it for myself? Ah, it's a great New Year's resolution to make sure I hear the Bible at those four lessons, but also I'm passing it on. So this is about the Bible. That's what we're to teach. So the church is given the whole Bible and told to go to the whole world. And you know, as I've thought about this, I'm glad these are orders because so often I don't feel like going. And if I listened to my feelings, I'd always be waiting to love people more or feel better equipped or more confident. But here the Lord has commanded us to go and do certain things. And therefore, the only issue at stake is, am I willing to go in that film? Uh, 1917, the soldiers weren't asked, do you feel like going across uh, uh, no man's land to, to warn this battalion? It wasn't their feelings. 
They had to obey a command. So the issue here is not our feelings, but our obedience. And it begins, I guess, with saying, well, am I a learner? So hope explored on the ninth to, to, to maybe get your faith in place more deeply or bring someone. But, but roots on Wednesday here on the 11th. But are you learning? And then are you sharing? Do you know, I'm so grateful for the 19-year-old 40 years ago who between sets of tennis said, can I look at the Bible with you? And he opened up Psalm 103 with me. And he said, do you see, Rico, you can flourish. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it. It's place remains it no more. But it's over so quickly. He said, the wind blows, you're gone. My godfather just been killed in a cliff fall. And then verse 17, he said, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is of those who fear him. He said, Rico, invest with God because that's investing with eternity. And I can tell you, as I stood at my parents' grave, I was very glad of that conversation. Brother, sister, are you going to be not just a learner, but a sharer this year ahead? Who's the person you need to go to and say, can I, can I look at the Bible with you? Great challenge. But can you see, it's not what we feel. It's to be obedient. We've got to go. And so many people in the culture are feeling at sea. What do you do about Ukraine and about COVID and about climate change and about the, the economic crisis? And Jesus is who we go to. Lastly, as we finish now, the king's promise. Do you know, I love this. The king's promise. Do you see what he says? It's the third kaka, the fourth kaka, the fourth all. And I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus says, I'm with you as you go. So that's the promise. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So the Lord of mission is the one who makes the mission possible. He's with us by his spirit who lives in us and makes us one with him. And where we are, so is Jesus. So he asks great things of us. Go to the nations. Teach them about me. They're under my authority. But he doesn't ask us to do it alone. In the film 1917, I can tell you, there were these two soldiers with a message across no man's land, and they're utterly alone. And there's barbed wire, booby traps, bombs, snipers, and rivers. They're totally at the mercy of chance as one man dies around them after another. But that's not our situation. As we go, Jesus comes with us. So the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, verse 19, is hedged by the most two encouraging statements. One, uh, uh, when we say I'm not strong enough, I couldn't possibly take the weight of the responsibility. Jesus says, you have all authority. You might feel like a little private, but I'm the general behind you telling you to go. And when we say, but Jesus, no, I can't go. He says, I'm with you to the end of the age. He says, he says, he says, he says, I know you can't do this, but you can take on this vast responsibility because I'll go with you as you go to your neighbor, your work colleague, your friend, to the nations. He's going to be with us. So there we are for this uh, Christmas, uh, this New Year's Eve service. Here we go. What's the proper response to Jesus? I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. And as we head towards uh, this uh, new year, towards 2023, which one of these five points here do you need to really put in place for the year ahead as we just come to pray now quietly ourselves? So let's be in an attitude of prayer. But is it the king's victory 
the most stupefying victory ever fought. Death is conquered. Uh, A gaping hole is left in the world's graveyards. uh, And Jesus is alive. Is that what you need to be reminded of this New Year's Eve? The king's authority over all men, over all women, over all nations. He has total authority. The king's seal, the sign of the cross, uniting us with the universal fellowship, but linking us locally. Aren't we at work locally? The king's commandment to teach everything I've commanded you to everybody to go and make disciples. And then lastly, the king's presence. Brothers and sisters, he is with us. Which one of those five points do you need to tuck into your heart this New Year's Eve just to ponder as we look to live for Jesus in the year ahead?